I'm Chris Kirkpatrick here on Hollywood Raw, and we're discussing some of the most outrageous times I ever had in the band in sync. All right, guys, this episode is sponsored by Herd App Marketing. Now, you've heard us talk about the Herd App Media team and all the reasons we chose to work with them and how far the Hollywood Raw podcast has come in the last few months with much more in the pipeline that we're very excited about. But Herd App Media is only one part of the Herd App organization. Let us say one of the reasons we chose Herd App, it was their reputation as one of the premier search engine optimization agencies out there. Search optimization, uh, for those of you who don't know, is the practice of optimizing your uh, website, podcast, YouTube views, or anything else to be found that's highest possible in the Google search results. Herd App Marketing serves the marketing needs of companies of all sizes, from mom and pop shops to S&P 500 corporations. They work with nearly 3,000 business locations in 43 states, and this was the tipping point in the decision for the Hollywood Raw. So we knew that growing Hollywood Raw meant partnering with a media company that also had a full marketing arm, and that's what Herd App Marketing brings to the table. So Herd App Marketing is not just SEO. They are a full-service marketing agency with literally every service under one roof. There is nothing outsourced to partners like a lot of the other big agencies do. And we mean everything, social media marketing, web design, content marketing, video production, branding, creative, SEO, SEM, local SEO, all the SC whatevers. They have the team in-house to meet your needs and ours. Yeah, that's why you see our TikTok blowing up. Uh, We are getting ready to launch a whole new website and they are the power behind the new stories that we found on our website. They literally do it all for us. And they can do the same for you. So if you have a company that needs more customers or know somebody who needs new customers, you know by now that the internet is where you're going to find them. And Herd App Marketing is the company that will get you found more often than your competition. Online at herdatmarketing.com. That's H-U-R-R-D-A-T marketing.com. Or give them a call at 877-662-4443. What's up, Dex? What up, butter? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm hitting the gym, trying to get in shape for Omaha, Nebraska. That's <laughs> right, Omaha. You've asked for us, and we've heard we've heard the we've, we've heard, heard the, the cries. Demands. It's like banshee yells for us to come to Omaha, Nebraska. So we're doing it. We're gonna come out and be live in front of people. I mean, we're not doing a podcast live, but we're gonna come out to Sweet Stock, which is a huge concert that they've. Uh, you know, they threw this concert like years and years and years ago, and they're bringing it back. It's like all these 90s bands. I'm stoked, dude. It's going to be it's fun. It's cool. So some of the groups are TLC, Mark McGrath, Bone Thugs and Harmony, LFO, Shaggy. 98 Degrees, Shaggy. Uh, it's it's pretty cool. It's going to be fun. And me and you get to live out our Carson Daly dreams on stage <laughs> with these people. So it's going to be really cool. I might even paint a fingernail just to look like Carson. Uh <laughs> You know, what would you do? I just walk around like Carson Daly for the whole event. That, that would be dope. I'm like, I'm kind of wondering, like, are they actually, we're going to get up on stage. Are people just going to be like, who the, are these guys? Like, why are they on no, stage Dex. right now? Why Listen, are they talking are, to us? We are huge in Omaha. Listen, we've, been, <laughs> we've gotten the DMs and we've read them and we are coming to Omaha because you guys demanded it and we will be there. So we're going to be excited. We're going to be in Omaha, Nebraska. If you see us there. Oof. Say hi. We're not, uh, you know, just go through the bodyguard first, and then I'm sure just say you're cool, and then you could kind of talk to us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I'm really excited for Sweet Stock, man. It's gonna be pretty awesome. You'll see me moshing to 98 degrees. Um, so so it's I, I wonder if any of these people will talk to us. So we're gonna we're gonna try to get some interviews while we're there because obviously that's our bread and butter. We like to chat it up with celebs, so that'll be fun. And then 
you know, today's guest, uh, Chris Kirkpatrick from InSync is coming on, and he is one of the official hosts of Sweet Stock. So we're excited to talk to him, um, see if he's going to ignore us or not while we're there. Because, you know, <laughs> you can have a guest, but that doesn't mean they need to actually be nice to you in the real life, right? Yeah, so for we'll sure. See. So we're going to have plan- him on, chat with him. And, you know, I kind of wonder, like, do people get nervous to do this? You know, he's been on a thousand stages, probably 10,000 stages so he performed in at his the life. Super Bowl. Yeah. But, but like still getting up and having to like host in front of thousands of people, like does that make you nervous? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to get into with Chris Kirkpatrick, so I'm excited to talk to him. Before we get to him, a little bit the Hollywood Raw podcast, the Hollywood Raw podcast. Dax will fill you in on what the show's about. Dax, tell the audience what the hollywood raw podcast is hollywood brought pod hollywood raw podcast i mean listen we we say we humanize hollywood we pull back the the curtain we show you the real side of hollywood because after our years at you know some of the biggest sites on the planet people always still ask us questions like what is it like to meet a celebrity what is it like to talk to paparazzi what is it like you know being in the inner workings and that was kind of the reason that we even started up the podcast is like let's just Let's just say it how it is. Let's let's talk about how celebs, you know, hire paparazzi or tip off paparazzi and all that kind of stuff because it's fascinating to I, I think the general public. So we're there revealing the fourth wall of Hollywood for people. We have on kind of everyone in Hollywood, whether it's a celeb, whether it's paparazzi, whether it's a media mogul, and you know we've had on some of the biggest names in the game. And I I I, I feel like I just love what we do. I have so much yeah, fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's really I cool. I love our we've conversations. Some, we've had some great guests, so make sure you check out our library to see who we've had on because it's really, really interesting. It's a really fun range and broad uh, of all aspects of Hollywood. We are the uh, – yeah, we kind of reveal the private parts of Hollywood. It's kind of fun. It's uh, it's really cool. Um, before we get to Chris Kirkpatrick, our guest today of NSYNC, um, we do a thing where we read your reviews live on air. And the best thing you do to support this podcast is write a review, go on iTunes or where, Stitcher, wherever you kind of listen to the podcast, write a few kind words, give us five stars. It really helps out the algorithm. I don't know how it works, to be honest with you. That's what they tell me. So just do that. <laughs> and uh, it's just weird, dude. Um, but just leave a review and we'll actually read your review live on air. Dax has a review ready for us. Dax, yep. what do you got? We just want to give you a little shout out and a thank you. So this one comes from Jerome Shaw. It says, this is Hollywood. So super hype podcast. Love the announcer and the music throughout. Well, this is a long review, by the way. This is the uncut content we crave when it comes to Hollywood. Great view of the life and city. Uh, you two hosts have such great voices and chemistry. Over 200 ratings, mostly all five stars and well-deserved. The production of the pod is off the charts from the sound of the way you guys set the stage. Recommend this to anyone who enjoys the juicy celebrity life and people in Hollywood entertainment. That's a nice one, dude. Very nice. Thank you, Jerome. If we see you at Sweet Stock, make sure you say hi and we'll buy you a beer. Uh, and maybe I'll split a sausage with you. Um, so I, I'm not going to give you the whole thing. We got, you know, so we'll go have some We can't afford that. You, you yeah, just yeah, have yeah. to buy the other half yourself. <laughs> Again, that's the best thing. You know, shout out to Pat, our uh, producer for uh, the production wise. Make sure you check out his podcast, Pat and JT. They got a really good show on to today's guest. Dax, tell us about him. What, did we want to talk about fan question roulette or are we, we just going to jump in? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, so before we we get to Chris, sorry Chris, you're gonna have to hold on a second. Um, 
No, so we did this fun thing that we will play with Chris today. We've been playing with a lot of our, our guests. Like we played it with Dorinda um, on, on the last podcast, but it is fan question roulette. We've been doing this for a while. You guys submit your questions, film yourself, say your name, say where you're from, and submit a question. You're not going to know the celebrity, but it doesn't matter because that's the fun part. We don't know what question's coming up. Um, and send it to us, DM it to us on IG or leave us a message. That's another way to do it. We have a phone line up and rolling, 833-HWR-LINE, 833-HWR-LINE. We just want to make you guys be a part of the show. It's fun. We, we find it interesting. Um, and so, yeah, we can get to Chris now. Is that cool? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, you have my permission. So, Dax... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I totally, uh, <laughs> and, and Hey, by the way, I want to just warn you guys. So we, um, we, t- we, we started this call with Chris, the audio was terrible because he was inside of like a, a public gym. Yeah. And so there was a lot of background noise. So probably like five minutes in, we asked to ask him to move. So deal with <laughs> some of the background noise, please. And then it, it'll get better. Cause he goes to his car and it's silent. So just deal for the first five minutes sorry about that but our guest today is singer dancer songwriter music producer and one-fifth of one of the biggest boy bands of all time chris kirkpatrick so chris what's up brother thank you for coming on the hollywood raw podcast it's good to talk to you where where exactly are you in the country right now um and well actually i'm in franklin tennessee which is just south of nashville and that's home for you right now yep what last guys six years what made you guys go to but Tennessee? No, no, no. More importantly, he's at the gym right now. I can hear, like, it sounds like you are right about to get into your workout. I hear the background. Are you, are you, are yeah, you at a private I'm, gym? You, yeah, I'm on an elliptical right now. I just look really good <laughs> while I'm doing it. So, how, it. You like, how do you like Tennessee? You know, uh, I'm uh, assuming you went from Orlando to Tennessee, but why was the yep. move? Why the transition? Um, I think mostly because music. You know, but also because we just got like we were over Orlando and we wanted to raise a kid and we wanted to pick the most perfect place to do it. And we picked Nashville and it's been amazing. And I got a little before October that was born and raised here. And it's been, you know, it's 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 a dream come true for him. He's got all the farm animals he ever wants to see. Mom and dad have bars (laughs) when he gets out of control, you know. Yeah. So it's perfect. (laughs) <laughs> well, so, do you guys have animals yourself? Just a dog. Just and a dog. my wife my wife will say me, but yeah, so just a dog <laughs> and me. So what have you been doing? I was you're still, you know, what have you been doing lately? What have you been up to? How's the summer going? What what's new in the life of Chris? Uh, I mean, I still do a lot of production, uh, especially in Orlando. I was doing tons of music production and and here I do a lot of the best thing about being here is it's so centrally located that, you know, I can fly wherever I want and get there in no time. And um, so I still do a lot of hosting, uh, performing. I have a we actually been working on this band. It's me, uh, Jeff Timmons from 98 Degrees, AJ McLean from the Backstreet Boys. And uh, it's called All the Cool Kids. And, you know, we still do some new music and performances. So still trying to stay busy, stay out there. That's awesome. That I mean, that's awesome. great to see. So you're you're in Tennessee. You just came from Orlando. Well, I mean, you're you're in, you're in Nashville. You're in Tennessee now. You were in Orlando. Yeah. That's where Orlando basically got your start because you graduated high school. Where, where did you Where did you graduate? High no, school? I, I actually graduated high school in Ohio. 
I'm from Ohio. Pennsylvania. Yeah, from Pennsylvania, moved to Ohio. But right after I graduated, I went to college in Orlando and you know, basically lived in Orlando most of my life. So I still consider Orlando home. My mom and my sisters are still there. So. So I read that you moved to Orlando to actually connect with your biological dad, which I thought was interesting. Why uh, is that true? And then if that is true, why then, you know, after graduating high school, did you decide to kind of connect with him? Um, well, he lived in Orlando. And as soon as I graduated, I knew I didn't want to stay in the Ohio area. Because like I said, being from Pennsylvania, I went to high school in Ohio. And I just, you know, it wasn't for me. It was just... I wanted to get out and he was in Orlando. So I was like, Hey, I'll come to Orlando. So also I, I went to college there and, you know, it worked out great. And, you know, him and I reconnected and we, we, we stayed in touch obviously over the years, but uh, it was great to go down there and, and really reconnect with him. Now, one of the other stories that we were reading about was that you actually used to work like before NSYNC and all that you used to work at SeaWorld and uh, Universal Studios. The question is, all right, which park was better to work at? Well, considering what I did at SeaWorld, definitely Universal. <laughs> <laughs> because when I was at SeaWorld, I was doing school full time. I worked at Universal as well. I worked at SeaWorld. And then I also worked at the Outback. So I had three jobs, full time school. But the SeaWorld gig was the picture taking people in the front. And in, in <laughs> like right when August, you in, you snap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was me. That was 1,000% me. And then, and then the funny thing is, after you do that, you have to sell the, the mugs or the little keychains that you look through and see the picture in afterwards. It was just, I mean, hot. And I'm not a good photographer. <laughs> <laughs> and it just wasn't for me. But when I was at Universal, you know, it was singing 50s doo-wop. So that was perfect. I love that. Yeah. I've, so I'd have to say I, Universal. I was just at Disney Universal, and it's you know there's it's a lot of theater people kind of performing, and it's great. It seems like a great gig, and it's fun. And that's where, obviously, you know things start to turn where you met Lou Pearlman. And what? How did you first get connected to Lou? Was that through AJ or? No, 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 no. So um, I met Lou through a buddy of mine, Charlie Edwards, and you know without getting too deep into the crazy story, uh, when I was at. Uh, Valencia College, I was in class with Howie Durow, Howie D from Backstreet, and he, I was doing quartets and all that stuff, and he came and got this guy Charlie out of one of my quartets, and so Charlie ended up in the Backstreet Boys, later quit, and then called me and said, you know, this guy Lou is still looking for, you know, more guys to do another band with, so Charlie introduced me to Lou, and then that's kind of how I started the band through that. So I knew Howie before I knew basically any of the guys in my band and he knew any of the guys in his band. Is there anywhere else you could move to? It is so loud that it's almost hard to hear you. Is it really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I could, I could go in my truck. Would that be, sorry about that guys. No worries. They're like, you're leaving the gym. I'm like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you're like, eh, that's it. I just worked out. I'm done. This is good. Uh, awesome. Sorry about that. <laughs> No, no you're good. All right, we got, we got Chris moved to his truck because everyone in the gym was trying to disrupt our podcast over there, but being all loud and shit in the background. Thank you for moving, Chris. Yeah, Appreciate they, it, man. yeah no problem. Sorry about that. No <laughs> you're worries. Good, you're Move good. My hand. 
So, you know, the your friend who introduced you to Lou, who is the original guy in the Backstreet Boys, did he regret, like, obviously, after when the Backstreet Boys kind of blew up, did he kind of go through his head like, man, I screwed up, I messed up with that decision? Um, I mean, I never really talked to him about it. So, you know, I'm sure it had to suck, you know, being like, you know, in the Backstreet Boys. But, I mean, everything he did, he always said, like, you know, I had a problem with this guy and that's why I'm quitting. And uh, when he introduced me to Lou, he was kind of helping me start the band. And then he decided that uh, it, it wasn't going anywhere for a while. Like it was there was a lot of times, like I said, I had a couple jobs and I was, you know, working full time, had school. So I'd be a little late to things sometimes. And, and I was always trying to arrange the music like while I was at school, getting in trouble. And so it, he kind of was like, it's not really going anywhere. So he went off and, and did something else and, and left me, you know, to bear the burden of putting the band together. So I don't, I don't, I don't think he has regrets. I mean, you know, I hope he doesn't because he's a great guy and, you know, he was always a really good friend. So, but for the most part, I mean, he probably has in internally, he probably has some, but sure. for the most part, I don't think so. Like we've all heard the horror stories of Lou Pearlman and the stories that have made the news and everything. But like, if you could do it all over again, would you still go down the same path? Because he clearly knew what he was doing to get you to a certain level, even though there was so mm -hmm. much darkness surrounding his management. Well, I, I think I'd be stupid to say no, because it, he did get us where he was. Now, now to me, you know, the main thing about Lou Pearlman was it wasn't us. You know, he sure he screwed us out of money. But at the same time, if it wasn't for him, you know, we wouldn't be where we were. And, you know, what did he screw us out of, you know, 10 percent or 20 percent of what I've ever made, which is which is fine. You know, considering just write that off as every every band goes through it in their first contracts. And, and you always have, you know, kind of crummy deals. But, you know, it, to me with Lou, it's mostly the other people that he screwed over. It's mostly the, you know, the people he took their life savings and, and upsets me because there's been documentaries and stuff out there where it's like, Hey, listen, you know, don't feel sorry for us. You know, we're still okay. Um, we're not living day to day. I'm not having to worry about where my next paycheck's coming from. Uh, we were in a really successful band. I've got four really good friends out of it, you know? So, you know, I'd say don't, it's, it's not me that I feel bad for. It's, it's the people that, have nothing now because of what he did yeah absolutely what was like uh you know i'm just curious what kind of guy besides the financial stuff like what was he what was he like as a person uh he was a he was an, an, a great guy i mean really nice always you know took care of us always made sure that you know he, he had money so it was like every time we'd ever go out anywhere you know, you didn't have to do the fake reach for your wallet to pay for it, especially when, you know, I was a struggling student with with no money and all those jobs. He'd make sure we were taken care of. And and uh, so for the most part, he was he was a really, really, you know, loving and trusting guy. But there's that one part of him that wasn't. And but we never saw it. You know, he was he was definitely a guy that was to your face, the nicest guy you've ever met. Now, how he was to you, to other people, 
was a lot different. But, you know, to us, at least, and especially to me, to my face, he was always, you know, really genuine and, and really nice. So in, in that side of it, I have to say he was, you know, a pretty good guy. So, so then you guys start in sync. Obviously, everyone knows how incredibly successful in sync becomes. But like, what was the moment when you guys had started that it started picking up steam, and you're like, "Holy shit! Like, we made it! Like, this this is a success!" Like, what what was that moment for you? Uh, you know, it was, it's kind of tough because there was so many of those moments. There were so many times where. We, in the beginning especially, we worked and that's all we did was work. And, you know, it was great because I ended up quitting my jobs because it was all about rehearsals. It was all about, you know, the next uh, show we were going to do or what we were going to do. And I really, it was such, when you, when you hear these overnight success stories and things like that, they're never overnight success stories. And these were definitely, you know, started this slow rise of every week something different would happen or something big would happen. And it really was so gradual that I think I think the only big moment that we really had was after we did the Disney special that we blew up in the States. Because even in Europe, it started out we were doing small shows, you know, in front of a couple hundred kids and it became you know, more than a couple hundred became eight, nine hundred, then it became a couple thousand. And but it was Europe and it just was so foreign to us that it just it didn't seem real. It just felt like we were this European band that was being successful and doing all these things. And and it wasn't until we did that we blew up in the States. And once we blew up in the States, that's when things started to go, wait, we're going to be on the Tonight Show or we're going to be playing with this artist. So that I'd, I'd probably say if, if I had to pick a moment, that would be the moment. So, but you were the one who discovered and really put together a group like Lou Perlman. I obviously financially kind of supported you guys, but you were the one who kind of found the talent um, from when you guys first started to once you started to get immediate success, how long was that period? Like, did it, did you guys hit very quick or did it take a few years until you guys started to really get some traction? Um, from the time that I met Lou, it took a while. It took a long time. I mean, it was years of, you know, struggles and, and guys quitting the band, you know, coming back into the band because I actually recorded the first demo with four other guys. And two of those guys are the guys from C-Note. They were in the band C-Note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so we had another band all together. One of them was kid, uh, John Rodriguez, who's in our city now, and his brother's uh, Luis Fonzi. So okay. there, there was a lot of a lot of guys would come and go, and you know, and and it was just dragging on, and it just felt like it was never going to happen. But I just always had this feeling, and it was one of those things that I just kept saying, "I'm going to push for it. I'm going to keep making it happen." And you know, I remember a time where it was basically only me left in the band and i've you know struggled with just forgetting about it but i said now i'm gonna keep working at this i'm gonna find the right group of guys the right band to bring to them and you know thank god it happened and i was so blessed that it fell in the way it did no yeah. absolutely i mean so 
it, was it just the math? So I, I, I think about that and like the progression of going through different members. Now, once you guys all got together to like the final version, obviously, was did you feel like there was magic there or like you still had reservations? Like, is this going to work? Is it just going to be another set of guys that I have to cycle through? Uh, no, I think I think once Justin, it was me, Justin and JC were in the band. And once it was the three of us, I knew that we had a solid, solid group. And, you know, whether or not we had the two more guys in it or not, I knew that we had a really good core. And then once we ran into Joey and Joey became a part of it, because the four of us were actually a band for a good amount of time, maybe a year and a half before Lance got in the band. And even with those three guys, I knew we had a solid, solid group. But once Lance got in, it just rounded it out and it just made sense. And so I think I think from the first day that I met Justin and he brought in JC, you know, I, I knew that we had something special. Yeah. Cool. So when you look back, what you know, based on let's just say chart wise and the numbers, what was your guys' most successful song of all time that you guys did? Oh, bye bye bye. I mean that was Bye bye bye. That was yeah, that was probably by far the most successful because that was the one that, you know, broke us out with our, you know, the huge record that we had with um, No Strings Attached. And um, it really, it, it's still, that that's the one that I can tell you still resonates now because I always make a joke that I wish we would have written a song called, Hey Chris, here's a hundred bucks. <laughs> because every, every time, every time I'm anywhere, you know, it's, it's the big joke. If I'm leaving somewhere, I'm like, all right, see you guys later. Somebody's like, Hey, Chris, bye, bye, bye. Like, hey, isn't that funny? I told him bye, bye, bye. And I'm like, yeah, that's freaking hilarious. Never heard that in my life. That's perfect. But, uh, uh yeah. You know so what I wonder that, that, like for, for an yeah. artist like yourself who has performed a, a huge, huge song like that, I, I got to imagine you guys perform that thing hundreds and hundreds of times does it ever get oh, old performing a thousands of times? Does it ever get old performing a song like that? Even though it's a hit and everyone loves it, does it get old? Uh no, not really. I mean, it's you know that's the signature song. You 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 try to change it up a little bit and make it a little bit different, but I mean, you don't really. I, I think we all knew what our bread and butter was. I think we all knew, you know the song that really made us who we are and, and the song people want to hear. So you can't be like weird about it and go, Oh, we're not going to do that one anymore. Or, you know, we're, we're tired of this song. By the way, I like my little buzz light year in the back seat there. Yeah, I, was I, do, I saw when that. You first cool. got in there. I was like, uh, someone's sitting in your car. Seat yeah. He's somebody <laughs> staring at me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I left my kid in the gym. That's fine. But yeah. So bye, 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 bye is definitely, you know, it's, 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 it was always fun to do. I still, I mean, I still perform it to this day. I'll, I'll get out and if I'm hosting shows or, um, you know, different things, it's always the most requested. They want to hear bye, bye, bye. And I'm like, well, I can do other ones too. There's other songs we have. And they're like, no, no, do bye, bye, bye. <laughs> but what, was there a song that you, you know, it's hard because bye, bye, bye was a great song, but was there one song that you guys did where you're like, fuck, this song should be like, really seen as a very respected song not just a pop song but just a great song lyrically musically was there one song that you guys did where like you felt like it, it, it should be up there and just kind of 
respected more some like a classic song like you know i'm not comparing yeah. to stairway to heaven but something along those lines like a beautiful song um i mean i always really liked girlfriend uh I, I actually really liked pop a lot. I thought that song was, you know, I, I think the pop, it's going to be me. Bye. 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 Those songs were like our bread and butter because those were the ones that we came out and didn't just do like adult contemporary songs. We didn't just do ballads. You know, we got out there and, and, you know, blew songs away. It was like, this is what we're going to do. Let's get out there and just be aggressive and, you know, that's that's why I came up with Dirty Pop, because I was like, what we're doing isn't really pop, because pop at the time was so bubblegummy and, and our type of group was so bubblegummy and clean cut. And I was like, it's a little bit raw or it's a little different. It's like, you know, more dirty than that. And, you know, that's kind of conceptualized Dirty Pop just because it was it's the, the fun up tempo you know, make you move kind of music and, and all those songs are what we love to do. So any of those up tempo y you know, songs I really think were up there with Bye Bye Bye. So if Bye 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 came on the radio right now, do you remember all the choreography for the dance that you guys did for each performance? Sure. Not a chance. No, no, there's, I mean, I've, I've done it. I've done it enough where I know, um, I know most of it. I could do most of it, but there's songs that I listen to and I see these kids on like YouTube recreating the dances and stuff. In fact, there was actually a time where I was doing, I want to say it was no strings attached or something for a TV show. And they said, yeah, can you teach the choreography to the person? And I was like, Oh crap. So I had to go on YouTube and watch these kids doing the choreography to relearn the choreography <laughs> and do it again. So it's, I mean, it's, there's still muscle memory involved, but there's also 20 some years involved of not doing those numbers and not dancing. I mean, obviously I'm at the gym, so I'm not dancing like I used to. I'm trying to, <laughs> you know, work back into that kid shape, but it, it, they're, they're so, so intricate. And especially that when we did the shows, we did so many versions of it. And, you know, we do like the Blockbuster Awards and they're like, okay, brand new choreography for the song. We're going to redo. And I'm like, oh, crap. You know, I just got the original <laughs> down. Like Now I got to <laughs> relearn it and do it again. So there's, there's a lot that I could do, but there's a lot I probably forget. I'm just picturing if those kids knew that you were having to relearn yeah. the choreography from them, how much they would lose their yeah. minds. <laughs> yeah, I thought, I, thought, I thought about the same thing. I thought about the same thing. I'm like, I wish I could text these guys and go, hey, man, thanks for teach, reteaching me the choreography. <laughs> so. You know, and again, at the time, you know, obviously TRL was around and music videos had the, the insane budgets, you know, which we don't really see. Mu music videos right now are kind of done just for YouTube or uh, um but you guys had these insane budget videos. What was looking back? What was your favorite music video did? And then one, which is the one that you wish you guys could kind of do it over again? Uh, definitely the ones I wish we could do over again. One of them we actually did over again, which was our first ones. Like I want you back and tearing up my heart. Um, I want you back. We had to do two versions because we have a European version, which I probably shouldn't have just told you. 
uh, we have this weird European version where we're all in like these skin tight shirts and it's in front of a green screen and it's outer space. And it was done cool, but I mean, it was done like graphics from 1995 and, you know, kind of cheesy, whatever. Not that our videos weren't cheesy anyways, but those, those two are probably the ones I'd want to a redo on. And the one I love doing the most was a, it's going to be me when we dressed up as the, fake dolls where we were in prosthetics for like eight hours just to just to look like the duracell people from the old duracell commercials and it was just cool because you know it was this giant budget and we were supposed to be these toys so rather than you know trying to shrink to make us look like toys they made everything bigger and made it look like you know we were normal i mean we were small but like they put a life-size vw bug in a box to make it look like a little toy car and you know giant uh shelves from store that we got to repel down so that that shoot was a lot of fun not the prosthetics part that was a lot of work but the rest of it was a <laughs> ton of fun so so you mentioned you've mentioned europe a couple times here um what what's the like how does a touring compare in Europe versus the U.S. Because I know that, like, during that time, it was kind of crazy everywhere. But what is it, what is it like being an artist on stage in Europe versus U.S.? Oh, it's it's a whole different beast. I mean, when we were over there, I remember, especially when we do the smaller shows, uh, Europeans would bring out um, stuffed animals, and they'd write their name on them or write "Hey, I love you" on it, and then they'd toss it on stage like oh he's gonna get this which was great but you know we were doing so much choreography and there's like 300 stuffed animals on stage you're twisting your ankle you're falling over things you're in between songs we'd actually have somebody come out with a broom and just sweep <laughs> all these stuffed animals you know to the side so we could perform again but it was they were really uh not that americans weren't passionate but in Europe, they were really passionate and, and especially because, you know, we were kind of their babies. Like we, even after we broke in the States, you know, they're like, oh, we knew them, you know, way back when they were doing this song and this song. And <clears throat> so they were really, um, I guess, uh, bought into to us and, you know, we bought into them. So they were <clears throat> always got little toys, always got like all sorts of things. And they'd sleep outside the hotel rooms. I mean... You know, everywhere we'd go, there'd be like, you know, sometimes a couple hundred kids all camped out outside the hotel room just to say hey or just to, you know, get an autograph or a picture. So that was crazy. And chase the vans and chase the buses. And it was always it was it was definitely a crazy learn experience because when we got here and it wasn't as bad. Yeah, but what happens to all those like stuffed animals and cards and things that fans would like try to get to you guys? Did you guys ever get to see that, or is it just like it gets brushed off and who knows where it goes into a void? No, no, we have about six warehouses that are still full. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I was like, we, oh uh... damn! <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? It's just when we want to go reminisce, we go to these giant warehouses and. <laughs> do angels and all the stuffed animals and go, isn't this fun? No, um, a lot, we donate them. We, we donate them to charities and, um, you know, a lot of kids foundations and things, give them the stuffed animals. So 
you know, there's a lot of stuff we kept over the years. I mean, there was a lot of cool things we got, you know, we'd be in Germany and I'd get a piece of the Berlin wall or, you know, different things like that. So there's a lot of things we kept, but most of the stuffed animals and the, the crazy stuff we donate to charity. So again, at that time you were on TRL, uh, TRL was the biggest show. I mean, I, I'm in the tri-state area. I'm in New York city now and just seeing the crowds outside TRL, how, you know, when you, how much did TRL matter to you guys at that time? Because it was a big part of your guys' success. You're getting the, the, uh, the TV time and they were making a whole TRL episode around you guys. Was that, I mean, what, what was going on through your mind when you were going on TRL? Was that the biggest thing for you? Well, you, you got to remember, TRL was like the YouTube of our generation. And that was the, the Internet wasn't as it, it was out, but it wasn't as big and you couldn't go Powerful. find everything. Yeah, you couldn't find every video, every everything about the band you wanted to find out. So when MTV launched TRL, I think they were kind of doing it as a, we understand there's all this pop going on right now. I, I don't even think MTV knew how big that would affect everything. I mean, I was just funny. You said that I was just looking at this uh, thing on the internet the other day about TRL and it was like top 50 worst dressed on TRL. And I was like, Oh, I'm definitely got to be making this list or something. And, and thank God I didn't, but there was even one time where they had Joey and I host TRL. And when we were looking to figure out what we were going to wear, I grabbed these pajamas and I'm like, let's just host it in our pajamas. So I thought that was on there for sure. But, you know, it was just it was it was such a big moment. It was such a big thing for, you know, kids and and their opportunity to see their favorite artists or to get new information on what they were doing that, you know, TRL just exploded and it, it was the perfect storm. Uh, all this pop music out at the time and TRL at the time, whoever came up with that again, I think he didn't, they didn't know how big it was going to be, but what a genius move to have because it was, it was the voice and the, the picture of basically our generation. No, absolutely. It was huge. I mean, God, I wanted to be Carson Daly like that. That was my, like, I just watched him like, this is the, greatest gig of all time just hang out with all these awesome musicians yeah. host this incredible show really was the, the best job on the planet you know we were just talking about some of the the merchandise uh, like the the stuff that came out from NSYNC and you know merchandise was a huge part do you still have any of the old like lunch boxes and figurines figures, and all that yeah. kind of stuff that came up when uh, when NSYNC was just everywhere yeah, I have. I mean, I have a, I have a closet in my garage that has like a board game, uh, VHS tapes, CDs, things that kids now look at and poke with a pencil and go, "What is this? I don't get this." <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, there's there's still a lot of shirts and uh, stuff that I have from back in the day. Uh, hit clips. We had hit clips, which was kind of a big thing at the time, and. Uh, so there's there's a closet I have of a bunch of that stuff, but besides for that, I mean we re-released -re merch in the last couple of years, so it's been awesome to have new shirts. And I was just told uh, we went to my kids' 
induction today at the or at school to meet his teacher and everything. Uh, one of them was like, "Yeah, I saw your wife in the mall the other day, and she had on an NSYNC shirt." And I'm like, "Yeah, I tell her try not to wear those because, especially <laughs> if I'm with her, I'm like, I'm like, can you not wear the new merch? I'm standing right here. Like it's like, it's kind of embarrassing. I feel like you're a super fan or." Or I'm like, hey, look, babe, you got to wear this out so everybody recognizes me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there, there's, there were, there were things that we had to, you know, I still look at and go, how do we have a clock or sheets or lunch boxes or things like that? And you know, it's, it's kind of overwhelming to see all the stuff we had. Does you're a father now? Does some part of you just hope, or sort of wish, like when your kid grows up, they realize how big and how successful their father was because again you were a big part of a lot of people's lives and you know your kid doesn't even know the kid only knows you as dad but this part of you wanted them to know like man like i was fucking crushing it for 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 a good amount of time uh i mean there's you know there's that ego part in you that wants that and whatever but like my kid's about to turn four in october and he doesn't really he, he doesn't understand any of that to the point where, you know, most of our friends are local news, weather people, or, you know, of course, some celebrities. And, and he sees TV all the time and he's like, oh, there's Neil. Oh, there's Uncle Justin. Oh, Daddy, you're, we had that progressive commercial. You're, you're on TV again. It's just like, you know, he's just like, yeah, everybody's dad does this or every, every kid <laughs> should know that we, we were just in Montana and we were visiting Justin and, um, you know, he's messing around with Justin. And I kept going, you know, trying to explain to him that he was in a group with me. And he's like, yeah, that's cool. But it's just Uncle Justin. Because everybody <laughs> says that. And they always they like that's a thing that they always say to me, which is funny. They're always like, hey, listen, I really don't care who you are. Like, you're my friend. You know, I don't care that you're in a band. I'm like, yeah, but I probably wouldn't be your friend if I wasn't in a band. But uh <laughs> But but with him it's 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 honest and it's earnest because he really doesn't get it and he doesn't know. <laughs> Even when I say I, I'm like yeah, but that's that's uh that's Branch from Trolls, and he's like, all right, so like of course that's Branch <laughs> from Trolls. That makes, that makes sense. Uncle and, and Dad, Branch, and Dad like, I don't get it. Yeah, yeah, and Dad, you're Chip Skylark, duh. And I'm like yeah, <laughs> yeah, but that's cool. Like right? Isn't that cool? Yeah, he doesn't care. But he's never asked like. Why does everyone want to keep up coming up and taking pictures of you? Why does everyone know who you are? Like, there's got to be a day that he finally clicks in to be like, why does everyone know who my dad is? That'll be kind of funny. Yeah, that yeah, when that day hits, that definitely will be funny. But and I think it's close because he questions everything now. But I think he's still, you know, at the point where he's like, you know, if, if I were walking in and I saw my dad, I'd go up and want to take a picture with him. Cause he's my dad. So everybody else wants to take a picture of my dad. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's not how it works. So, and, but here's the thing. NSYNC never really broke up. Like, you, you know, you guys are still obviously a relationship. It was no, you know, you guys kind of just stopped making music together. Um, how did that come to that conclusion? Whereas like guys like Justin's like, I'm going to do solo stuff. Or how did you guys reach that point? No, there was, I mean, there was a time where we just got a little burnout and it was just like, you know, every, every day. And, and we all had something we wanted to do. You know, it wasn't just Justin, you know, Lance was doing his um, astronaut stuff and he wanted to go to space and, you know, Joey wanted to start doing some Broadway stuff and JC was going to do a record. And 
I like to party <laughs> and uh, no, I, I, but we all had, I was doing production and, and every kind of had side hustles that they wanted to focus on for a minute. And, you know, we started focusing on those and those just took everybody away. And, you know, of course, Justin blew up and JC's record did great. And uh, Lance, you know, still started working on more, I don't know, was doing the astronaut thing or whatever. And then Joey was doing some movies and stuff. So, you know, we all kind of just started doing our side projects a little more. And then it just became well, we don't need to all go back together and do it. Although I do have a lot of regrets about that in that, you know, I wish something would happen for the fans mostly, you know, and gone back and said, you know, we're going to do one tour and this is our last tour ever. So if you want to see us, come see us. If not, no big deal, you know, whatever. But this is definitely our last tour. You know, we kind of left everybody just hanging since we didn't really break up or anything, but, you know, that that's the only regret about everything I really have. Yeah, Farewell Tour would have been pretty cool. I mean, listen, it, it is what it is. How long did it take you to do your hair back in the day? I want to know, like, the braids, the dreads. How long was your hair experience? At, at first, when I first started doing, it was real dreads, and they didn't stay in very well. So I'd have to do them, like, once before every show or before anything we did. And then it became, once I put the braids in, it was like, we'd ha I'd have to maintain them a bit. But when I put them in, there was hours and hours. And, and that's why I finally took them out. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I thought it would be <laughs> cool, but I also thought, you know, this, this takes too long. I don't like to do my hair or, or make myself up anyway. So why am I taking so long for just these braids and kind of just cut them off? But it, it took a while. It, it took a lot of maintaining you know just to be the pineapple head was a lot of work yeah how what was your craziest i mean this is probably a question you get all the time but what was your craziest fan experience like the one like you said you had people sleeping outside the hotel rooms but what was the one was like holy shit like this is getting kind of dangerous or scary um well they were all pretty much in europe that was when it, you know since those fans were so passionate and everything most of the crazy stories were in Europe and, you know, there were times where kids would jump on the conveyor belts in the airports to get through hiding in your um, hotel rooms. Like somebody would let them in somehow and they'd be hiding. I still to this day have weird flashbacks. Anytime I go to a hotel room, first thing I do is push the shower curtain back just to make sure nobody's hiding in there. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there was a, there was a lot of, uh, chasing down the buses um hiding in luggage um most mostly just hiding places and and jumping out and being like hey freaking out when they saw you or you know because a lot of times it's so uncontrollable they just you know freak out so bad they don't know what to do and they just scream and like grab you and rip at you and you're like that hurts like don't do that but you know it's it's really there's there's a lot of I don't know if there's really one in particular. There was there was actually an incident we had where um, we were playing. It was in the States, though. We were playing in Atlanta, and uh, a mom had turned her son in because he was going to kill us on stage, and he had this whole plan, like what backstage looked at, where all security was. He had a gun, all these crazy things. So, you know, stuff like that really made, makes you think, like, was this all worth, 
that what we were doing, you know, for people to be like this or, or would we rather just have been, you know, in obscurity and, and just made music and hidden? Wow. That's scary, man. I, I had never heard that story. That's really scary. Story. Yeah. Um, thank God she turned her son in. Holy crap. Um, do you think boy? Yeah. Bands can you imagine? Up? No, I crazy. Do you think boy bands will kind of always be a thing? I mean, I feel like once or twice a decade, a really big band comes around. Obviously, like right now, BTS is like one of the BTS. biggest bands on the planet. And there's like 400 members in there. But do you think boy bands will always be a thing? Uh, Yeah, I mean, there's always there's always a need for them. There's always the, you know, and and the thing that I say is they always have to be better because if they're not better you could go back to what you had and they have gotten better you know one direction to me is is ridiculous i mean those guys are are so talented there's so many you know they've all got solo projects uh bts is is really talented and those kids you know dance like we danced and and some you know sometimes even better it almost looks robotic they're so good so you know there's there's always going to be that need and that that niche for them, you know, it's just like rock music, rock bands. You know, there's always going to be a drummer, a bass player, a guitar player, and a singer, or throwing a keyboard player or whatever. But there's always going to be that formula that works out. Whether it's three guys, four guys, five guys, eight guys, whatever it is, there's that formula always seems to work. So it's all it's always going to be there. And yeah, I think there's a there's they're not going away anytime in the next probably 100 years are the residuals from nsync still good like do you even really need to really work or like how, how does that you know could you live off still nsync i mean yeah you could i mean i i could live off of nsync but you know i also have a kid that you know you want to do certain things for and it's like what's living is you know just having food okay or just just having a house okay or just being able to go on one vacation a month okay or five vacations a month and you know plus i just i enjoy what i do like i i love performing i love you know meeting people i love traveling and so i i don't want to stop i don't want to stop anytime soon but you know as for financially you know of course you know we made good money and you know it was definitely financially worth it so there's no there's no, um, I'm not struggling. I'm not living day to day. I don't have to, you know, worry about where I'm going to sleep tomorrow night, worry about my, where my kid's going to sleep or go to school. So for the most part, you know, we, we did okay. <laughs> I, you know, obviously you guys were really close with Brittany back in the day. Is it hard to watch all this coverage and focus on her life all the time now? Like, I feel like every time I turn on the TV, it's like, What's Brittany doing today? Where's her conservatorship at? Like, is it tough to watch someone that has been your your guys's close friend kind of deal with all of this? Uh, not now, not now. You know, um, when she was going through the crazy stuff, you know, years ago, that was tough. But you know, now it's just dealing with uh, getting her money and getting you know what she should have and and you know taking care of herself you know i i I wonder in the future you know i i hope 
that she's going to be fine and, and things are going to work out for her. Cause you know, I love her to death. She's, she's like a sister and, and it, it was really hard seeing her going through all the tribulations that she went through in the first place that warranted getting the conservative ship and everything. But now it's like, now she's in a, a better place that I know that, that she's going to be okay. And, and once she gets finally deals with, you know, all this and, and gets out of it, that she's going to be fine. I feel like, I don't know about you, Adam, but I feel like I can see this like sense of weight lifted off her shoulder, shoulders when uh, just on Instagram. I mean, she, you can tell in the way she like types that it's like, she's like, I can finally, like, I'm not chained into my, you know, what I'm supposed to say or what I have to do or pictures I have to take. Like, I mean, listen, she's been taught posting like a bunch of topless photos recently but it's just like her feeling like i don't have to follow what i'm being told anymore and that's kind of a a nice freeing feeling i got to imagine yeah well and, and it is crazy too because in in the pop world you know at least speaking you know for what we went through you know i can tell you that when we took our break you know there's a time where you realize the, how much control you've given up and how much control you don't have anymore when you know you stop doing something and suddenly i'm knocking the schedule underneath my door anymore saying 7 a.m be here 9 30 we've got this then be here by 10 11 45 and having your security go okay i'll meet you in your room at this time walking you everywhere you have to go and then suddenly it's like okay go have fun and you're like doing what like what am i supposed to do where's my schedule where's my itinerary what do i have to be at what do i have to do and you know with her it just it got so difficult and being a solo artist is so much different you know than being in a group because being in a group you've got at least i did i had four other guys to talk to and say hey this is like this is what i'm going through right now and they're like shut up don't be an idiot or, you know, hey, let me help you with that or, or let's let's get this worked out right. Whereas you're solo, you're like, nobody else knows what I'm going through right now. It's just me. So I have to deal with this. And, and with her, you know, I'm praying that everything works out OK because she is such a great person. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. What uh, how often do you and the rest of the guys and sync get to like hang out? Obviously, you guys have a lot of stuff going on You're you're all living around the country in different places. You have families, but how often are you guys able to kind of reconnect, see each other, hang out? Um, as the five of us, not that often, like maybe, maybe once a year, maybe, you know, once in a blue moon, it's the five of us, but, you know, groups of us hang out or, you know, I, I see Justin I see JC, I see Lance, I see Joey, um, you know, so individually, we kind of all have our friends that we still kind of keep in contact with and, you know, FaceTime, call, visit in person. But as as the five of us, it's it's very rare. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I, I mean, I guess, obviously, we're, we're actually doing this show together. We're going to be at uh, Sweet Fest in Omaha, Sweet Nebraska. Stock. Say it Sweet, right, Adam. Sweet Stock. Sorry. Sweet, Sweet Stock. stock. We're going to be at Sweet Stock, which is. Sweet uh, Stock. Sweet stock, which is like the Ibiza of America. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's pretty crazy. It, it's a pretty wild place, you know. I don't know if people know about Omaha, but that's where Girls Gone Wild kind of originally started. It's pretty insane. So, um, 
my question for you is do you when you go in front of these crowds right now do you still get nervous like when you go host perform in front of people do you do you ever get nervous do you still get nervous uh as crazy as it sounds i kind of do get more nervous now because before i had a group of guys that i trusted with everything i do they know me i know them um, they know that sometimes they have to shut me up or tell me to stop doing certain things and not be that idiot that I'm being. So now it's like, you know, like I said, it was just talking about being a solo artist. It's like, now it's like all on me and nobody's telling me to shut up. They're actually going, no, no, keep going. That's hilarious. This sucks, <laughs> you know, but, um, so there, there's a little bit of nervousness, but it's still fun and it's still, you know, Every, every people don't go to shows to not like the artist you know it's like comedy shows any kind of show you don't go god i sucks you know so you're always kind of rooting for whoever's up there and as long as you know that and know that you're all in the same boat we're all here to have fun you, you just keep the party going i guess so so you're hosting but is there is there any band there that's why because it's got a pretty damn good lineup uh that you're excited to say i know shaggy's going to be there tlc 98 degrees mark mcgrath is there anyone that you're like i can't wait to see them perform all of them all of them i mean that's (laughs) that's that's a generation we're in you know there's so many tlc is tlc they're amazing i love them to death uh, 90 degrees are really good friends and you know I, I consider them you know almost brothers so they're fun uptown um, all the bands that are there it, Mark McGrath I actually did a show with him not too long ago and we just sat backstage and just talked music you know he's like a music dictionary and you know, I feel like I know a lot about music and then talking to him I'm like I gotta up my game he's good he's like a story uh, you know so there's Oh, he's well. He's he had to, he made sure he told me he won uh, the Rock and Roll Jeopardy like three time champion or something like that. So he made it a point to let me know that. But you know, it's 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 just fun to see all of us where we are in our careers and and what we're doing and and still out there performing. And you know, you see the audience going, "Oh man, when they do Waterfalls, I'm gonna lose it." Or you know, when when he does Fly, I'm gonna go nuts and and it's so reminiscent that, you know, you're, you're in this group of elite artists with these people that, you know, it, it's a cool respect, but fun time that I just I just want to see them all. And when we see you in person, are you going to pretend like you don't know us now? One thousand <laughs> percent. Not even a question. Well, listen, just make sure you pick your shower because I'll be hanging in the shower in, unless you check you, your unless hotel room. You, yeah, unless you see me talking to my manager first going, who are these weird guys again that are acting like they know me? Yeah, no. I've got a memory like a goldfish. <laughs> uh, hey, we got yeah. we have one last thing that we want to do with you. We, we have a game um, that we play that's called Fan Question Roulette. So uh, fans of the podcast will send us questions for celebrities not knowing which celebrity is coming on the podcast. We haven't seen them ourselves. Our producer, Pat, will oh, play cool. one right now cool. for you, and we'll just see what the hell the question is. Are you down? Yeah. Do I have to answer it? You uh, got to answer Or are it. we just listening to the question? <laughs> no. All right. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> no, we'll have you answer it. All right. Pat, play us our first question. Okay. What's the story of your first crush? 
Ooh, my first crush. Ooh, geez. I don't know. There were so many billions. Um, <laughs> my first, my first crush was probably when I realized what girls were my fourth year of college. No, uh, probably when I was in high school, uh, I just, no, eighth grade, eighth grade, we had an eighth grade dance and I, there was this girl, Rachel, that I was in love with and I bought her a corsage for an eighth grade dance and brought it in and she's like, why are you giving me a corsage, you little nerd? Aren't you in sixth grade? And I'm like, no, I'm in your class. It's me, Chris. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I was a late bloomer. I grew up like, I don't think I really grew up until after high school. So everybody always thought I was grades behind them. So anytime I'd have a crush on a girl, they always thought I was like grades behind them. I'm like, I'm actually older than you. But uh, yeah, so it was probably Rachel. Well, I can tell you Rachel's kicking her own ass right now, 30 years later, going, what the hell was I thinking? I should have accepted no, uh, no, the I still, I, I still talk to her. I still talk to her. And she's still like, yeah, there's still no way I would ever go out with you. You're a nerd. <laughs> That's so awesome. All right, Pat, let's play one more. What's up, guys? This is Sasha, and I just wanted to know what your strangest family tradition is. Ooh, strangest family tradition. Um, We weren't very a traditional family because, you know, I grew up in a single-family home. I have four younger sisters. We moved around all the time. Uh, but I would have to say... Maybe our, uh, I don't know. My mom used to love like teaching us songs and making us all do different parts and different songs. And that's kind of how I learned harmonies and things like that. And just kind of being like, you know, okay. And this song, it's a Simon and Garfunkel song. Chris, you're going to do Paul Simon, Molly, you're going to do Garfunkel. My sister, Kate, you can just dance or whatever. <laughs> But uh, I think it was I think it was all the weird weird songs that she would have us do, and sing and perform. Well, it sounds like a fun fun thing to grow up in a family that's having fun and a good time. Chris, thank you, buddy. For I sure. know that we are running out of time with you. We're really excited to see you at the end of the month at Sweet Stock. And if uh, if anyone's listening right now that are in the Omaha area, uh, it's August twenty eighth. In uh, in Nebraska. Well, it's actually not on the Omaha side, right? I, I forget where. It's on the other side. Uh, but Sweet Stock, it's going to be a great time. Lots of big bands. Chris is going to be hosting. Um, and we are very excited to see you there, buddy. Yeah, we'll be moshing. Yeah, I can't wait. We'll grab a beer. We'll grab a beer or something. What a nice guy, dude. Super nice guy. Like, down to earth. So <laughs> I mean, down to earth. Just fun. And, you know, I got to imagine he's probably sick of talking about NSYNC for the last, you know, 20 years. But he he sat through all of our questions, and I really greatly appreciate it. Yeah, I, it's tough not to talk about it, and I get it, but it, it is interesting. And I think at some point you just have to kind of realize, like, you, you did mean a lot to a lot of people. And uh, it's a big part still of your do. life you and say, our lives. You say it in the past, but, like, people still – I mean, NSYNC is still, like – they still play that stuff on the radio, man. All the time, do they play it in bars? They play it in clubs, you know. Like those are hits; those are huge songs. So it's hard, and just very humble about what he's done. And you know, he mentioned kind of quietly that he was just in Montana with Justin. I was like, I kind of want to be like, 
so what's his house like in Montana? You know? It was like, uh, how's Justin well, like? You know, you know what I liked about that is I feel like Justin gets a bad rap in the media for uh, like almost like he just abandoned the band and like you know kind of like he became the superstar and left them all behind. And I I like that. No, they're they're still close and they don't need to publicize it, but they're still close and they still hang out and. You know, Chris's son knows him as Uncle Justin. Like, I liked that kind of human side of it. Yeah, I, I'm i curious, though, about JC. I'm curious if JC still has, like, is still close to the guys. I feel like he's the one that's kind of very quiet, mm-hmm. uh, at least in the media. Uh, so I'm curious what the relationship is with JC. I know, I know Joey a little bit. Joey's a great guy, just full, like a good personality, good energy. He's a guy like Chris who embraces and and embraces his past and kind of talks about it but joey's actually doing very well hosting like he's just you know he works a lot with the impractical jokers and lance obviously is doing a lot of hosting he's a podcast so jc's the guy i'm actually curious about he's had some great songs i mean but yeah just interested in him you know you but actually you think he's actually going to talk to us when we see him at sweet stock no um <laughs> i don't think he'll remember but I think if he sees us hanging on Mark McGrath and he sees our past and we act like Wayne's were, we should dress like Wayne and Garth and walk around, show our past to everyone. Like, we're not worthy. Like, it would be like, and like, oh my God, these are Wayne and Garth of Nebraska. This is crazy. Um, so good. And, and by the way, it was Iowa. You remember how I couldn't remember where the concert is? So it's technically over the river. It's not in Omaha. It's in Iowa. Like, brother, right I had the, no idea. Right you're on the, the other one. side. Like, a walk bridge across. Uh, you, you, when, when we get there, you're the one taking me everywhere. I don't know where we're going. I don't uh, know where I'm going. I'm like California guy. What the hell? I'm going to be like, know, I don't know. I didn't even know Iowa's was on the other side. I was like, oh, we're going to Iowa? I'm not going to lie, dude. I was like, whoa, okay. I'm just. Do you, do you think people are going to just like boo us off stage when we get up there? They're not going to know who we are, but listen, it's. Uh... <laughs> I'm going to be some creep. That's all it is. Um, But, guys, thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Again, the best thing you do to support this podcast is leave a review. Go on iTunes, five-star only. Say a few kind words. And, actually, if you do that, we will read your review live on air, mention you, give you a shout-out. If we see you in person, we'll give you a hug. Um, And if you're a guy, slap you on the ass. If you're a girl, give you a fist pound because it's 2021. There is – you know, we do have to be – fair um uh, (laughs) yeah we gotta be fair we gotta be nice we gotta play nice uh there's a video portion of this podcast make sure you check it out on youtube you want to see the video of this interview uh and uh, you can find us head on on over to our website hollywoodraw.com they built us this beautiful website it's got merch it's got links it's got a little bit of everything um and full stories transcripts everything so just dive on in it's there for you if you obviously want to be a part of any of our fan question roulettes send us a video of yourself say your name and dm it to us on uh, our ig page that is the best way to get it to us leave us a message we got a phone line up 833 hwr line we want to hear from you guys we like having you a part of the show it's it's and i feel like celebs really do enjoy the fan question roulette so send them in Yes, yes, yes. You can find me at Adam Glynn, G-L-Y-N. You can find Dax Holt at D-A-X-H-O-L-T. And we'll see you guys next time. Media Production.